Well, we, we promised that we would uh, dismiss this uh, service uh, by, by noon, uh, respecting uh, your time with uh, family and friends. So I simply want to close the service with just a brief uh, devotional. If you have your Bible, uh, please turn to Luke chapter 1. I simply want to tie uh, three other verses uh, to a verse uh, that we discover in Luke 1. Uh, for those in our church family, uh, the last few weeks I've brought sermons uh, centered around Luke chapters 1 and 2, uh, the Christmas story. And we've basically looked at all the primary players in the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias, the angels, uh, the shepherds, uh, Simeon and Anna, the two elderly folks uh, there in the temple that were awaiting uh, the Messiah. And uh, we saw some common denominators, how uh, they were all worshipped, that, that when Jesus arrived, it just evoked a tremendous outburst of joy and rejoicing and celebration. And we saw the reason why, because of who He was and why He came to earth. This was our sovereign Lord, uh, the sinless man, uh, born to be the Savior of all, and to rise again from the dead to be what? Lord uh, of all. And you know, often when we emphasize uh, the reason for Jesus' coming, uh, we focus on the forgiveness of sin, and it's very, very appropriate uh, to do so, as we've emphasized His name was to be called, what? Jesus, uh, which means Savior, because He would save His people uh, from their sins. And what more beautiful truth and reality could we have than to know that our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. And that wonderful new covenant promise that He will remember them no more, in the sense that He will never remember them against us. Uh, that now that He's uh, canceled out that sin debt, nothing can alter His disposition of love towards one of His children. He does love us with an eternal love. That will never fail us. Now, it's a love that can be tough when necessary, it can correct us, but nothing can ever alter His disposition of love towards one of His children. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But in just these five minutes I have, uh, I want to emphasize another aspect of His work and reason for Him coming. In uh, Luke chapter 1, look over at verse 68. This is this great statement of praise that Zacharias made, the father of John the Baptist, uh, related to the coming of Jesus. And in verse 68, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished, what's that next word? Redemption. He's accomplished redemption uh, for His people. I just want to focus on a moment on His redeeming work. That word redemption simply means what? To buy, uh, to buy back. Uh, that word can also be translated uh, to lay down a ransom price. So it's literally saying that Jesus came to this earth uh, to buy for Himself uh, a people that would be His own uh, possession. And of course, reality is that you and I uh, were a captive to who? The devil. That we were in bondage 
to the devil, uh, to Satan. Uh, we were citizens in his kingdom of darkness and bondage. And so one of the reasons Jesus came was to redeem us, uh, to bring us out of captivity to the devil. And his life was the ransom price that he paid to purchase you, to purchase me as his own uh, possession. Now, just several verses to correlate with that. If you turn over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, we read in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So Christ's blood, which signifies His death, again, was the price that was paid to redeem you, to buy you out of captivity from the devil, to bring you out of His kingdom of darkness and bondage into Christ's kingdom of light, life, and liberty, uh, to be His possession. And, of course, I want you to see it was a very high price that had to be laid down. Uh, the very blood of Jesus, that spotless, perfect lamb that was without blemish, that qualified uh, to pay the penalty for our sin and to purchase us as his possession. And then look over at the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 14, emphasizes this same thing. It talks about Jesus who gave himself... For us, why? That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify us for himself. A people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And then one last passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 19, the Apostle Paul writes, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. And uh, I know the uh, family here at Edgewood know exactly what he's talking about here. One of the other great promises of the new covenant, the salvation that was given to us through Christ, it was not only pardon from sin, uh, not only forgiveness, uh, not only uh, purity of heart, that he would place in us a heart that would hunger and thirst after God, that would long for God, but that we now would what? Become His temple, the very sanctuary of God, and the Holy Spirit would come to dwell in us. And that Holy Spirit dwelling in us comes to what? Form the character of Christ in His child so that Christ can be put on display through us, so that we can magnify and exalt Him uh, before, uh, before others. And uh, the Holy Spirit is there also. I, I like this. Jesus gave the promise what? That when He would come... He would remind us of what? The words of Jesus, the truths and the principles and ways of God. So the promise is, as a child of God, as I walk through life, as I encounter tests, trials, temptations, as I encounter challenges, ministry opportunities, that the Holy Spirit who dwells in me will plant in my mind, in my heart, the truth of God that I need for that particular occasion to guide me, to direct me to empower me to walk in His will and to accomplish His purposes. 
So that Holy Spirit dwells within me. And that's what he's talking about here in uh, chapter 6 of, first, uh, of uh, verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and then notice, and that you are not your own. And why are you not your own? Well, the next verse tells us, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And so my admonition to you and I as we uh, leave this service on this uh, marvelous uh, Christmas day is that the Christmas story should impact us. It should change us as we realize as God's people that He came to redeem us as His possession. And to be very specific, to redeem us as His bride, uh, to love Him, uh, to honor Him, and to worship Him. So I truly am not my own. I have to recognize that each and every day of my life, that I belong to Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him. And therefore, I acknowledge, Lord, I'm Yours. Therefore, I submit this day and every day to Your authority. I exist not to get from You what I want, but to serve Your agenda to serve your purposes, to seek your approval. And so use me to bring you honor, to bring you glory. As Paul said in uh, our study of the book of Philippians, where he said, you know, this is my earnest hope and expectation, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that Christ now, as always, would what? Be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so we live to honor Him. We live to serve His interest, which is what? To advance His kingdom. And that's why we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. That's why we surrender our lives to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, uh, to share with others the good news of Jesus as they see Him lived out and demonstrated in our lives. So again, as we close this morning, uh, I just uh, remind you and I exhort you that yes, your sins are forgiven and that's a wonderful truth and as a result of that, yes, you've been saved and you have an eternal home in heaven but also realize that forgiveness came at a price and that was the death of Jesus, the shedding of His blood and that blood not only forgave you, it redeemed you, it purchased you to be His possession, to live for His honor to live for His glory. Father, thank You for this marvelous truth. Um, I think of uh, that other passage in 2 Corinthians that says we are no longer to live for ourselves, but to we're to live for Christ, the One who died on our behalf and then rose on our behalf. So Lord, we come to You this Christmas day as your people, and I trust united with one heart. And Lord, we just simply acknowledge, yes, we are your purchased possession, redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And therefore, Lord, we do present to you our bodies, all that we are, all that we possess, our souls, our spirits, as living sacrifices. And we lay those sacrifices on the altar of the cross, acknowledging that the only reason you accept our sacrifices 
The only reason you receive them as holy sacrifices is because the blood of Jesus sanctified the cross, set it apart now to be an instrument uh, to make holy all those who embrace it through faith in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we surrender our lives to you, by your power at work in us, God, move that we would not be conformed, squeezed into the mold of this world, that we would not further develop this world's thinking and attitudes and values, character and conduct, but as your people, we would be transformed through the renewal of our minds that we would prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and do it all to the praise and glory of your grace, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. And ask Andy now to lead us in one last worship course, and this will be our dismissal.